Thank you for listening to the High Sticks and Super Kicks podcast. We here at the High Sticks and Super Kicks podcast are simply fans of hockey, the New Jersey Devils, and professional wrestling, and are not to be considered as insiders or news reporters. Please note that opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of its hosts and occasional guests. Listener discretion is advised. Whether it's talk about the state of hockey. Just conversing about the world of professional wrestling. Oh my God! Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh no. Oh, here we go. Or other pop culture phenomenon. Rob and Dave give you, the listener, their uncensored opinions on the High Sticks and Super Kicks Podcast. The first period starts right now. How we start episode number six. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. <laughs> I sticks and super kicks podcast. HSSKpod.com. The website is up and running, folks. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Top of the morning. Yeah, it is top of the morning. It's a Wednesday, it's eleven o'clock, we're right on time. Apparently, Gary, Gary Bettman listens to you all the time. Apparently. Jesus Christmas. I tell you, I said go to Vancouver. Take the Vancouver. Give him the old school black and yellow and red. What comes out today? Vancouver's third jersey. The black, the yellow, the red. That is insane to think that Gary Bettman listens to the High Sticks and Super Kicks podcast. I'm available, Gary. Gary, reach out, man. Come on. We talk wrestling. Maybe we but we talk just, hockey, too. Maybe we should just tweet him. What, at NHL? <laughs> at NHL. <laughs> you know, it's funny that I, I, don't, I don't necessarily get social media how, like, you're Gary Bettman, right? Why can't, we, why can't you have, like, at Gary Bettman? It's got to be at NHL. Because, you know, some asshole bought that and was, like, at Gary Bettman, and then they were like, oh, I'll just sell it to him. And they put the, uh, they put the little uh, icon of him with, like, fangs or some shit mm, like yeah. that. It's just, like, a total, like, knockoff account. It's, it's, a, bur- it's a burner account. It's him covered in a bunch of poop emojis. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we play the Heart Foundation theme song because, unfortunately... We couldn't make it two weeks. <laughs> yeah, reset that timer again. God damn. Without another wrestler dying. And and let's be honest, we can start off talking about this so, before we get into the hockey stuff, but this one hurt me a little bit more than any other ones, and I don't know if it's because... Um, I mean, I follow uh, Natalia, his daughter, on Instagram. And all the pictures and stuff that she posts are all happy and, you know, all, you know, 
her enjoying her life as a WWE wrestler and all those other things. And then she has stuff at home where she's uh, posting pics with her husband Tyson, with her mom, uh, you know, her mom, her dad, family, Bret Hart, you know, everything, her dogs, cats. So, like, I guess you, you kind of get roped into, like, the whole family thing, and she's all happy. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, I come home, and I'm like, I see posts on social, social media, like, oh, uh, rest in peace, Jim Anvil Nightfire. I'm like, what? There was no indication that he was sick. No, apparently I mean, he, like, fell down and hit his head and started having seizures and just never recovered. Now, I don't know if he fell. I know he had alcohol problems and shit. Right. I don't know if he fell down and, like, drunk at 630 in the morning. If it is, he's in one. You know, he was trying to get it, get into <laughs> right. it early. But, right, right. You know, it's he uh, now only Bret Hart is the last person yeah. in the Hart Foundation. Brian Pillman. Pillman's gone. Uh, Davy Boy Smith is gone. Owen's gone. Anvil. And now. Uh, and now Bret. Bret, man, look out. Wrap yourself in bubble wrap, dude. He almost died a couple of years ago, too. The super kick from hell from Goldberg almost killed him. Yeah. Killed his career. Definitely. We can get into that little story later on, though. Yeah. A little foreshadowing there, but we to continue the Jim Anvil Nightheart thing. Um, I, we were texting uh, on Monday night when a big WWE superstar, WWE whatever, dies. They do a ten bell salute, or at least they do like the picture or video, some you know with mem- the... in memory of. Yep, they did it for San Martino. They did it for the Ultimate Warrior. Okay, pretty sure they did it for Brian Christopher. I was I didn't watch that because I didn't ago. I didn't think Brian Christopher was gonna be I mean they probably did it for for Jerry Lawler but <laughs> they did it for Brian Christopher and Christ it was two weeks ago who was the other one that died <laughs> we've totally forgot um yeah wow um who died I know it was like brownstone whatever I've, I, wow totally. whatever but they definitely did for Brian Christopher they at least put up on the screen. But but what they had on Monday night ended up being they brought out Ronda Rousey on behalf of uh, Natty Hart to you know for like five seconds to say you know we lost you know Jim the Anvil Nightheart and, and why, the, of all the people why her she's she's not good on the mic yet you know like why wouldn't you bring out all of the women true yeah bring out all of the women have uh, Charlotte because she's probably the best one and. Yeah. The the superstar of the mm-hmm. women division have her come out and say like on behalf of all the women you know we're here to support Natty and her dad and whatever then you do a brief video you do a ten bell salute then Ronda Rousey's in the ring and you start the show yeah but to, I I guess it's one of those they thought Ronda Rousey was like her best friend kind of like oh, they're just trying to get her over. Yeah, and then, and that's exactly what we were talking about. It's like, okay, you did your little spiel, which was nice, I guess. I mean, at least you verbally said, hey, this is what happens. And then it goes right into a shtick of trying to, to you know, I'm going to use, you know, you know, the strength that I'm going to be giving to Natty, and I'm going to kick Alexa Bliss's ass. I, my remote could not change that channel quick Maybe enough. they did it to protect themselves, because when Benoit died and they did the whole show and... You know, a tribute oh. show, and then, oh, shit, we found out halfway through the show that he murdered his family. Like, maybe it's something they were just trying to protect themselves from a darker... A darker outcome from it, Outcome. Yeah. It was kind of like, all right. Did, I mean, but again, Brian Christopher hung himself. I mean... Allegedly. 
I started no, reading I know, stuff read about, like, yeah. Jerry Lawler's, like, everything that the, uh, whatever uh, medical examiner said is against what's being part. I'm like, what? Unless you're trying to soften the fact of your kid freaking hung himself for a DUI in prison. I don't know. Maybe he had CTE. Maybe, Maybe. they should have did that. <laughs> Probably. Sorry, Gary. So, yeah, so I think we were... That in our opinion, and and I'm I don't want to like speak for you, but I'm pretty sure in, in our opinion it, that was fucking disrespectful of freaking yeah, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Um, you're number one tag team for for the in the nine in the eighties. This is I I posed this question to my friend Chris because he's the real like wrestling guru, and I asked uh, why isn't Chris here today? Then <laughs> <laughs> he's probably parenting. Um, I asked. I said how many wrestlers are still alive from wrestlemania 3 wow junkyard dog's dead that's all i remember piper's dead coco beware andre the giant bobby the brain heenan is orndorff still alive yeah i think paul orndorff still alive okay. no man his heart exploded did you hear that he did so much steroids and who, that did, was, who that didn't was, i know that was the the rumor as a kid when you would hear like dude paul orndorff's dead his heart exploded <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. Maybe that's a topic for next week's show. Yep. If somebody else decides to go, I mean, I don't know. Oh, well, with, yeah. with, with our track record the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I just want to put a disclaimer out to <laughs> current and former NHL players and wrestlers because last week I did the list of the Mount Rushmore for Chicago, and I put Stan Makita on it, and the next day he died. This week we're doing the top stables in wrestling history. I put... <laughs> The Heart Foundation, the Heart on, Foundation it. on it, and now Jim the Anvil Nightheart died. So I'd be scared of anybody for next week that is in Florida. <laughs> if we're going alphabetically. Yeah, nobody cares about Florida. Yeah. Fans don't show up. LA. <laughs> All right. So so the, that's a good segue. So, yeah. So we're, we're, we're I mean, come on, Vince. Really, come on. You could have you could have done a little bit something more than just have Ronda Rousey try to get some positive heat against Alexa Bliss. Oh, and speaking of Alexa Bliss, before we get into hockey, you pervert. I know. You eggplant emoji posting mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'd love to do like the hottest female wrestler list, but yeah. I really don't want to come off sexist on no. this podcast. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> We're supposed to respect them for their talent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to hockey. Our NHL news and notes. Ode a week. A couple contract signings. Um, we'll go over the one real quick. Devils re-signed Steve Santini for three years. Two-way? Uh, for the first year, I think. I'm not 100% sure. Well, that makes sense. If, if he's on a two-way deal for this year, then... They're just waiting for Lovejoy to to kick bricks, right? And then will he'll take Lovejoy's spot in a bottom four defensive pair? Christian Dvorak signed a six-year extension in Arizona for essentially like just about I don't know what the numbers are here, but it's a base salary of two point nine million, and then he's got signing bonuses, and then his salary goes up, it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes down. Then it goes up, then it goes up, and he's got a no-trade clause for the last two seasons of it. He's a young guy. He's a, you know, he's a second, third-line kind of player that goes up and down the lineups. He could play with top players. He could play with, you know, the checkers and grinders. 
Um, he's part of that youth movement in Arizona. Dylan Larkin signs five-year deal worth 6.1 annually. He is the star of Detroit of for Detroit right now. Um, he will probably be their captain. He's a good player. He's good defensively. He's, I mean, he's good defensively on a really shitty team, and that a shitty team that's going to be shitty for the next few four seasons. Or five yeah. years. But that's what happens when you never have a top twenty pick for the last twenty years because you were good. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's draft uh, JP JF Damfus and and Jeff Freezy. Let's draft goalies when you have the greatest goalie of all time. <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> who, Lou? Yeah. It wasn't Lou. It was David Conti, who he hit some home runs in the past, but the last, like, eight years he's hit a couple of singles. The only one he got right was Parisi. And look where that got us. In the last eight years. Emotionally, look what that got us. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, Dylan Larkin for, for five five more years. That's, but that's the going rate. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, that's cheap for a first-line center. Yeah. I mean, you could say that Zetterberg, but he's talking about retirement. I mean, Zetterberg is their first-line center, but he's really not at his age. He's more of the second-line guy. So Dylan Larkin becomes the first-line center. And if you can get a first-line center for $6 million, that's $30 million plus it, at the extent of his uh, – over the the size of his contract, mm-hmm. that's a steal for Detroit as long as he doesn't – Shit the bed. And it's funny when the rumors started coming out about that. Um, I, you know, you start reading. Oh, you know, contract's not signed yet. Nothing, nothing. Oh, is he gonna get traded? Where's where's he gonna go? And everybody starts clamoring up about that. I, he was one of those guys that he, he wasn't gonna leave Detroit because they needed him. They're gonna throw everything they have with him and Mantha and now this kid that they drafted Zadine. I mean, they have a, they have a good base to to for their rebuild they have a good foundation now with that contract signing th- does it make somebody like a gustav nyquist expendable tradable no no i mean i think they have plenty of money they they think about it like if all you have are kids right zetterberg's making big money larkin's probably making now big money nyquist is probably a little cheaper than than what larkin's six million dollars there's they really don't have anything. Jimmy Howard can't be making that much money. They re-signed Mike Green. Okay, that's a two-year deal, so that's not costing them a lot of money. It's, If anything, I think you'll see Detroit next year dive hard into free agency, especially if Tyler Sagan Jumps, yeah. gets, gets to free agency. I, I would see Detroit throwing everything they can to get him. Okay. Um, you also have the news that Brady Kachuk decided to forego his seasons at Boston University and sign his entry-level contract with the we Ottawa were, Senators. You we were totally wrong on that one last week. <laughs> well, that's all that was coming out, was saying, no, I'm going back to college. And we were all like, good for you. But in the long run, you have to think. He's, what, 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, Did money get him to? Well, he's got his brother who's playing. He's got his dad, who's one of the best American players of all time. Maybe he just thought, like, hey, you know, if I go to if I go to Ottawa, my three-year entry-level contract ends, one of two things happen. I either hold out and get traded to somewhere else, or 
they're going to throw a shitload of money at me and I'll become a millionaire and I'll just go out and play and for the sake of playing and burn my money and burn off your three years and burn, go somewhere else. Right. But, and I honestly, that's probably, I would definitely think that's probably something, I mean, along with the fact of not trying to smear the Chuck name. I mean, look, you're going to sign a three year deal with Ottawa. What are you going to do? Shit the bed for three years and then want to sign somewhere else, like throwing a little hissy fit. I don't think so. But he's going to, he's going to be one of their top six players. He's going to take what's his name spot Hoffman spot Perfect. in the top six lineup. So I mean, Perfect. for him, for a, a kid that's probably dreamed about playing in the NHL, now he's got his chance to go in as a nineteen-year-old. Uh, he might be one of the favorites for rookie of the year. I, I mean, I would think he's going to be one of the favorites. I mean, his plus-minus is going to suck, and Ottawa's not going to be that bad over the long run. I mean, Probably not, towards the end of that entry level deal, maybe they'll if they if they be more competitive. If slash when they trade Carlson, they're going to get a good heap. You hope so. You're going to, and I mean, granted, they might lose the first overall pick this year because they have to give it to Colorado, but they're they're going to stockpile. You hope they do. Common sense would say you get you get your pot of gold. The for thing, Carlson. The thing is, is does Matt Duchesne stay there? Does well, how many years does he have left from his? Does Colorado Mark Stone deal? stay there? He's got no Matt Duchesne's in Ottawa. He was part of that trade, right? But he's how got many... this year. Oh, it's just one year yeah. left. Okay, well, all does right. he stay there? Is he going to stay there when Carlson leaves? Is it going to be like, well, fuck, that guy's gone. Why? Right. Why am I going to stay? Stick around? Um, that could actually knock his price down if you think about it, because he left Colorado all bitchy money. He's he's gonna leave Ottawa because uh, we suck. That, that that might drive his price down. Yeah, I don't think so. No? He's he's an elite talent. He's a number one center, and teams that need a number one center, you know, are gonna look past his bitchiness. You'd hope so. And um, just some retirement news. Uh, talk of Brian Gianta and, like we said, Detroit's uh, Zetterberg uh, talking retirement. Um, I, I I when I saw both of those come out, I thought. Who made more of an impact for their team, Zetterberg in Detroit or Gianta for oh, the three years in, in, with the Devils, being that, that grinder dude? Uh, well, Gianta started off as like a third liner mm-hmm. for us, um, but it's got to be Zetterberg. Zetterberg wasn't just an impact player for Detroit. I mean, he was an impact player in the league. He was an all-star. I don't think Gianta – Gianta had that one good year where him uh, – was it Zajac? And – and Eliash clicked where he scored like the 48 goals. Right. But after that, it was after he signed that contract, it was down like every other down per- like a Malaysian airline. So bad. So wrong. But yep. Sederberg's a good player. It's a shame that he has to finish his career on a shitty team like Detroit. Maybe he'll be a deadline deal for a good team. Like, like, uh, Aginla to Colorado yeah. or... Uh... Like Aginla when he got traded to Pittsburgh to try to win the cup. Mm. Man, mm. Zetterberg in like Toronto. That'd be a good... No, you know what? Gary, if you're listening, you, you need to just put a clamp, close the door on Toronto and just say, you, you've had enough. Let the let the other teams yeah, <laughs> deal with it. It's another one like Nashville. What if he went to fucking Nashville? And then just said, hey, look, I'm going to retire at the end of the year. You're not going to have to worry about paying me in the future because I'm done. Going back to Sweden. Sweden. 
And he's going to play on the Sweden team for like a couple of years. Yeah. He'll play on Modo <laughs> with Marcus Naslin. All right. So from our news and notes section, we go to our favorite discussion. I think that's that's happening now. Our Mount Rushmore of NHL teams. This week we have the uh, Col- uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Dallas Stars, uh, again the Detroit Red Wings, and Edmonton Oilers. Again, it's a, it's a tough, tough when you have an original six team and then you throw Edmonton in there. Uh, those are some tough, tough, you know, to just pick out four. So for Columbus, I went with Rick Nash because he really was the face of that team when they came into the league. Uh, you got to go with Sergei Bobrovsky because he's their face now. Um, Nick Foligno, he's, good. he's their captain. And then some older players for you uh, big Columbus Blue Jacket fans. David Vaborny. He was like the guy that scored for them early on when they first started. And Epson Knutson. Uh, interesting side story about Epson Knutson. He is the reason that there is netting behind the nets now in NHL arenas. Is he the one that, that clocked that girl in yeah. the head? And- He's the one who took the shot and... Uh, I think he was like Danish or whatever, but he took the shot and it hit a little girl in the head and she died. And from what I read, like he never recovered from that. Would you? I know. Well, (laughs) that's some scary shit, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've my brother when he used to have season tickets in the Meadowlands, his seats were like 114. That's where the away team kind of came out. Right. The corner. And. I remember many games sitting with him and like Tom Chorsky and Riche, like guys that either had bullets or just no control of their fucking shots. Like that shot just, and this was before the netting, shots just either blatantly going over the glass. And if you weren't paying attention, you were dead. And now they have the netting. netting. So, okay. Uh, the Dallas Stars, I did not put the old-school Minnesota North Stars in there, so there is no uh, J.P. Parisi or um, Neil Broughton. You can do your honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, I have Mike Madano. Of course. I think he would be the first one. And when you have Mike Madano and you think of those 90s, 2000s teams, his right winger, Yerry Lettman. Um, also, with the same thing with those teams, Darian Hatcher. Darian Hatcher was a mean mean man but you could also put him down for philly but he's more known for dallas uh sergey zuboff which goes down is he's being debated about being one of the greatest russian defensemen that are not in the hall of fame i mean you look at his points he put up some big 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 points um jamie ben and marty turco are my like four or five like honorable mentions marty turco was their goalie forever. Uh, you could probably put Eddie Belfort, but I think when I think of Eddie Belfort, I think of Chicago. I don't right. think of yep. Dallas or Toronto. Um, now, the Detroit Red Wings, this one was a little tough because there's so many guys, but obviously the first face you got to put is Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe, right. Uh, terrible Ted Lindsay. They named the trophy after him in the NHL, so you don't want to leave him out. <laughs> uh, Stevie Y, Stevie Eisenman. I just think of him scoring that goal in St. Louis. I want to say it was like 96, 97, where the slap shot and the camera angle was right behind the net, and it was the perfect John Casey didn't even move. Uh, Nick Lidstrom, probably 
their best defenseman historically. And then honorable mentions, you have Sergei Fedorov and Pavel Datsuk. I mean, you could you could easily switch Lidstrom with Fedorov or, or Datsuk. And if I'm missing any old school people, by all means, curse me out on our webpage or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And then we have the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, you got to put Wayne. Yes. Well, okay. That's a Wayne might be the only person that's on two teams. Yeah. Yeah. When we get to the Kings. When right. we get to the Kings, uh, Yari Curry, who seemed to follow Wayne everywhere he went. <laughs> Wayne, you got traded to L.A. Yari Curry signs with the L.A. Signs with Kings. LA. <laughs> Wayne, you're going to the Rangers. Yari Curry signs with the Rangers. Uh, Paul Coffey. Ooh. Would you would you say that that the uh, Gretzky Curry uh, tandem was the first um, like like Parisi and and what's his name that signed with uh, the 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 package deals? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're definitely up there. Uh, Paul Coffey, who was the greatest skater in the NHL. Coffey also played with the uh, Kings, though, right? He played with the Kings. He played with the Penguins. He played with the Bruins for a while. Um, he was, at the end of his career, he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Also one of the nicest guys. That you'll ever meet? Yeah. He came to the rink in my town when we were little, and he sat outside the rink and, like, took pictures with everybody. Like, oh, you want to take a picture? Like, everybody else, Gretzky never got off the bus. Curry was super nice. Messier was um, was a nice guy, but everybody kind of swamped him, too. But coffee just sat on the bench, one after outside one after the, the rink. Oh, you want an autograph? You want a picture? And he was a, he was a super nice guy. Uh, Ryan Smith, who if you watched the NHL in the '90s and 2000s, he really was the guy. Uh, he was their team. And an honorable mention: you could put Kevin Lowe, you could put Tikkanen, in, you could put Glenn Anderson, you could put Grant Fuhr. You could put pretty much anybody that was on those championship, championship teams, teams, right? But if you had to put the big four, I mean, Ryan Smith could probably come out. You could put McTavish. You know, those are guys that 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 team, the 80s teams were stacked. Okay, now this may melt into in, into in a few weeks when we do the Rangers one. But why not Messier? Like, do, is it because I mean, he won he won cups with the Oilers. He did. He won he won the big cup with the Rangers. I mean, that's that's why. Is that why you would put him as a Ranger? I'm pretty okay. sure if we Googled Mark Messier and you had images, it's him in the Rangers jersey holding, holding the, the cup. cup. I mean, for those years, he was in. He was number two behind Wayne. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really until Wayne got traded in '88, 30 years ago, last week. Um, he became the guy and then Edmonton went on to win the cup that year after that and then he went to the Rangers and he really turned so spoiler alert he's on the Rangers okay he's not with the Canucks <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's those little teams that you always think about hmm should he no just no so since we're talking about Wayne Gretzky we have a story here regarding um, becoming he's becoming a hockey ambassador to China uh, to start up his hockey school to grow the game out there before the Olympics in 2022. It's, I mean, we talked, I think we talked a little bit about it last week. They're, yeah, they're building it for the Olympics. They're also building, they figure, oh, wait, how many Chinese people are there? A billion? Maybe we can get some fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, there have been Asian players. There was Richard Park. He played for the Islanders and Minnesota. Uh, he actually lives here 
I think, in New Jersey. I think he lives in, like, Jersey City now. Um, there was Jim Pack. He won the Stanley Cup with the Penguins. If I'm forgetting any other Asian players, I just named two. Well, I mean, you look at the guys in, in, in the league now. Isn't um, the guy on the Islanders? Josh Hosang? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a little... I think he's mixed. More more American-ish than... I think he's mixed. I think, like, his okay. mom was black and his dad was Asian, and that's... Gotcha. Okay. But, yeah, I mean... But, but yeah, but still, you, you do see that where, where the NHL goes... You know what? The NBA went out there, and now, you know, it's big. Minus that the... Uh, what's his name? that signed with the Rockets all those years ago. Yao. <clears throat> Yao, Yao Ming. Um, I also think it's because... When you're the host country in the Olympics, you automatically get your team into into the you know, into the the, the games. The games. So we're gonna have a Chinese hockey team. You you don't want them to go over right. Three like, and... Think about what was it? Korea's hockey team. They pretty much got smoked every game. Mm-hmm. And I'll be willing to bet the fact that the NHL is going this hard to promote the game in China that you'll see the NHL players in that Olympic again. Okay. So they don't want to make it right. They don't want to make it like, Oh, this is a huge blowout every time somebody plays China. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, I mean, with all the backlash that, that, I mean, I say backlash, but you know, the, the way that view. <clears throat> no, 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 no. If I want to mention pay-per-views, I'd mention in your house. <laughs> um, no, just like that whole the NHL version of backlash from the players saying that they they wish they would go to the Olympics and then uh, underneath the, you know, their breath they're like, but I understand the NHL's position, you know, being all well they PC. have to, yeah, they have to. So speaking of Wayne, uh, Wayne, I said, I said thirty years ago, August 9th, I think it was, mm-hmm. he was traded, uh, which led to every time somebody big is is having a contract dispute. Well, Gretzky was traded. You know, everybody always <laughs> says that. If you watch on the NHL network, free plug, um, the they Gary. had the, the, the trade that changed the hockey world. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a bunch of them. If there's a 30 for 30 called the King's Ransom. I think it's on Netflix, another plug, where they will talk. They talk about it. And essentially, Gretzky wanted to be the highest paid player in the NHL. And Edmonton couldn't do that. At the time, Edmonton was kind of looking like, look, we've got this great team. We're a team. Right. I want to keep this together. And Gretzky's like, no, I want to be the the highest paid player. Yes, we're the Edmonton Oilers, not the Edmonton Gretzkys. Right. And when Edmonton turned around and, and was like, well, we can't do that for you, that's when Wayne was like, I want out. And what better? I mean, he was engaged at the time to Janet Jones, and why go to L.A.? And if he never went to L.A., I mean, you think about the pl- the teams that we have now are directly a result of Gretzky being traded to L.A. So here's There'd the- be no Arizona. There'd be no Dallas. There'd mm-hmm. be no Florida, Tampa Bay, probably Nashville. There'd be no San Jose. There'd be no Anaheim. There'd be no Austin Matthews. Because he blew the game up. And he always said, you know, like, just getting a stick or rollerblades or whatever into somebody's hand, if they love it, they'll find a way to play it. 
But then we're talking about Wayne Gretzky. We are. <laughs> but think about it. Like, Wayne Gretzky had a Saturday morning cartoon. Pro stars. In America. He was the name. He is. And now his daughter's showing her tits on Instagram and <laughs> Twitter. So you know how, like, the NBA has uh, their logo – uh, has that famous L.A. Laker as as their uh, isn't it Jerry Westfall? Yeah, Jerry West as uh, as their uh, logo. Eddie Westfall. He was the Islanders' terrible announcer. <laughs> Jigs and Eddie. Ugh. So if if the NHL would ever get rid of their Shield logo and have to put a, a hockey player as their logo, would you put Wayne Gretzky as it, their logo? As the, I mean, as, he as, does as the, he does have the iconic kind of slouched over like it looks like he's turning that would be a good one i don't think they'll ever do that though i think it would have to be between him gordy which i don't know if gordy has that like iconic you know silhouette kind of thing but gretzky does yeah i mean i i would be all for it but i don't think the league would ever do it again we talked last week individual mm-hmm. versus team versus team yeah. You can go download that on Pod, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple, everywhere on the interwebs. You look, you search, you find, you play. So, talking about the the Gretzky trade thirty years later, trades that have changed franchises. franchises. Now, I left the Gretzky trade out because that obviously changed the franchise, and he was the kind of inspiration for this. But uh, I went with five trades that really changed franchises so you can argue you know there's actually six there's an honorable mention but uh you can argue i went strictly on these players that were traded led to stanley cups okay so my number five was anaheim acquires timu solani mark chenard and a fourth-round pick that became nobody from the Winnipeg Jets for Chad Kilger, who was a, a, a first-round pick but never really panned out. Former devil Oleg Tevardoski, who was an offensive defenseman but apparently did not know where defense was in the zone. And a third-round pick that became nobody. That was on February 7, 1996. That trade, Timu Solani is the face of Anaheim, Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. And that trade led. I mean, granted, Timu then left, then came back. He went to Colorado. He went to the Sharks. And then he came back. But that trade with Timu being in Anaheim and still being a part of Anaheim led to Anaheim winning the Cup. Now, obviously, I'm not that astute at hockey lore, right? But I know buzz names, you know, the big names and all that kind of stuff. I look at this list. Out of everybody you mentioned there, and I'll take out the uh, the the no names. To me, that looks like Anaheim trade. Anaheim acquired Tamu Solani for nobody, because well, I don't I don't remember hearing. Chad, Chad Kilger was a first round pick, like a top okay fifteen first round pick. Oleg Tavardoski was a top five pick. So again, this was a Tamu Solani for high prospect ish kind of right. Okay, all right. Uh, number four, I have the Colorado Avalanche acquire Patrick Waugh and Mike Keane from the Canadians for Andre Kovalenko, Martin Roshinsky, Jocelyn Tebow. 
This was December 6th, 1995. Now, you might remember. Because uh, Wah forced himself basically out of yeah, Montreal. They were, they were playing in Montreal. They were getting smoked by Detroit. Um, and Patrick Wah was getting the Yankee cheer, the Bronx cheer. Like when he would make a save, the crowd was like, yay! And they, the coach at the time, who I want to say was Mario Tremblay, mm-hmm. uh, left him in the game. And eventually when he pulled him, Wah walks by the coach and in the old Montreal Forum, there was no glass behind their bench because all of the owners of the team sat right behind the bench. <laughs> and knowing how this story plays out. And Patrick wow. Wah walked by the coach, went to the owner and said, I will never play for this team again as long as he is coach. That's 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 brass, man. Essentially he pulled the slap shot. Trade me right fucking now. <laughs> <laughs> now hang up. So Patrick Waugh goes to Colorado. Uh, this is the season after the lockout. And if you look at that, Mike Keene was a really good player, good defensive player. Andre Kovalenko was one of those guys who would one game, score three goals, look amazing, and then disappear. That's, t- uh, like, that's like tons of players, yeah. too. Martin Roshinsky became a very good player for Montreal. Jocelyn Thibault, Thibault. was supposed to be the Patrick Waugh of of this trade Mm -hmm. and he never, I mean, he, he was a good goalie. He, he had a long career, but nothing stood out about him, but that led to December 6th, 1995. So that's the year after the devils won the cup in the shortened season. And what happens at the end of that season, Colorado wins the cup, which they probably wouldn't have with Jocelyn Tebow. Uh, Next on your list is the Dallas stars. Yep, the Dallas Stars. Now, this one really didn't pan out for Dallas, but it did. Did it pan out? Well, kind of. For not really, it really sucked for Boston. Uh, the but again, it didn't. This is when um the uh the general manager was um what was his name? Uh, what's his name? The guy in Edmonton. Edmonton now, yeah. Yep. So this is another one of those. One of those. Oh fuck! I'm done with trades. <laughs> Uh, Chicharelli, Chicharelli, yeah, yeah, Peter yeah. The Dallas Stars acquired Tyler Sagan, Rich Peverly, defenseman Ryan Button from the Bruins for left wing Louis Erickson, who still plays, Joe Morrow, who still plays, Riley Smith, who is in Vegas, and Matt Frazier on July fourth, two thousand thirteen. Now the reason that Boston traded now they had just won the cup, and apparently Tyler Sagan is a partier. Like, he was a big-time partier. And the old-school mentality in the Boston locker room, Patrice Bergeron and and Chara, did not like him. Because of his off-the-ice antics. Because of his off-the-ice antics. And that led to this trade. This is a trade that didn't really haunt Boston too much, but it did change Dallas's look. Because... Uh 2013, who was who was Dallas's number one center at the time? Jason Spezza? No. They got Tyler Sagan, a guy who could legitimately score 30 goals with his eyes closed, um, who seemed to mesh perfectly with 
Jamie Benn, and now he's the face of that franchise for the rest of this year till he decides to go somewhere else, unless Dallas gets really good. But Louis Erickson did not last long in Boston. He ended up going out to Vancouver. Um, Joe Morrow, I think he, he jumped around in the minors a little bit. Riley Smith was really good for Boston, but apparently there's something wrong with him because they got rid of him really quick to go down to Florida. And Matt Frazier, I don't really know who the hell that is. But Riley Smith must be, have issues because he went from Dallas, all right, quick, get rid of him, right, to Boston, all right, quick, get rid of him, to Florida, all right, we'll throw him in, to Vegas. So young guy that's been on four teams so far, pretty rough. Uh, but yes, that has not led to a Stanley Cup for either of those teams. No, and and again, I think that that's the, that's the uh, Peter Ticcarelli rule yep. where any team that he is a general manager of, he's dumped star players for. That's uh, okay. Peter Ticcarelli. I'm pretty sure it's going to come up again right now. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. So my number two trade is the New York Rangers acquire Mark Messier from the Oilers for left wing Louis DeBrusque, center Bernie Nichols, former Devil. And right wing Stephen Rice. Now you look at that trade today. Nichols for Messier. It's Nichols for Messier. There's no draft picks. There's no, no. nothing. Like it's just it, it's a, it's almost the one for one. And that was right before the season started. That was October fourth, nineteen ninety one. Messier went on to win. I think I think he won the Hart Trophy that year. Um, and then obviously they won the Cup the year after. But. I have no recollection of 1992. 1993. Whatever. Like I uh, said. <laughs> Messier is, I mean, he changed the face of that franchise because the Rangers were always that team that would make it to the second round and lose to Pittsburgh or make it to the second round and get beat up by, like, the Flyers. So essentially almost like the uh, Washington um, Capitals of more oh, recent 90s. years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about the Rangers' big stars back then. In 1991, was like Darren Be- Turcotte. Beezer, right? It was Beezer. Beezer, Richter yeah. just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Waite was like a rookie. Tony Amonti. And Messier came in and became the face. Like, remember that? Like, you couldn't turn a TV on with hockey in this area without seeing Messier. He was on MTV. He was on Letterman. He was on, you know, like everywhere. And especially after they won the cup, he was all over the place. And he built up his character all through um, Edmonton, especially after Gretzky left, and that was your big name. Yeah, it's it's like if any team traded for a Crosby now, a Malkin, not Malkin, but. Um, and I remember that Bernie Nichols was not happy about being traded to Edmonton. Was okay. not happy. That's why, if you think about it, he got traded in 1991 to Edmonton. Um, in the end, the, the trade deadline of 92, so later that year, where does Bernie Nichols get traded? Back to the East Coast, and he gets traded to the Devils. He did not want to be in Edmonton. Edmonton sucked then, didn't they? Uh, they still had chunks of their championship team, but they didn't have the, they didn't have the, the whole part. They didn't. You know, they had the car, but they didn't have the engine parts. Okay. And your number one trade. Now, some people could argue with this, but the number one trade that I think changed the franchise was the San Jose Sharks acquired Joe Thornton from the Bruins 
for left wing Marco Sturm, center Wayne Primo, and defenseman Brad Stewart. Again, no draft picks. Joe Thornton was the number one pick overall. This might be a Peter Shirelli trade, too. Um, if you look at the Bruins trade, what the Bruins got, Marco Sturm was a decent player, but he was on the tail end of his career. He was a, a 20, 25, 30 goal scorer, but he was on the tail end. Wayne Primo had, was a big defensive center, not like his brother Keith. Right. And Brad Stewart was really the gem in this trade because Brad Stewart was a good offensive right-handed defenseman. And I want to say within like four years of that trade, none of those guys were on the Bruins again. Wow. None of those guys. Marco Sturm retired. He became. He went back to Germany. He played in Germany for a while. He's the head coach of the German team. Uh, God knows what happened to Wayne Primo. And Brad Stewart left and went back to San Jose. And then he went to Detroit for a while. But Joe Thornton changed that franchise. Because before Joe Thornton got to San Jose... They I, didn't have like they didn't a, have a face. I don't remember no. San Jose being. They, I, I they remember, had Marlowe. They but, had Marlowe, but that was young, though, right? Back in yeah. uh, two thousand five. So yeah. So I I don't all I remember is that when the Sharks came in the league, all I remember was a logo. I don't remember player names being. Oh, I remember stand players. Out. I remember no, but like standout names. The only one they really had was was Pat Falloon, who was their first pick of all time, and he was mm-hmm. a good player, but he didn't last too long. I remember he got traded to the Flyers for a little bit and then kind of mm-hmm. disappeared. But uh, my honorable mention trade is, and I'd, I'd be an idiot if I didn't mention this one, was the Quebec trades Eric Lindros to Philadelphia for Peter Forsberg, wow. Ron Hextall, Damn. Steve Duchesne, Perry <laughs> Huffman, Mike Ricci, Chris Simon, and two, two. first-round draft picks and like $10 million. That to me, if we if we jump into football, it was like when Mike Ditka was the GM and head coach of the um, New Orleans Saints, and he traded basically all of his draft picks for um, for the running back Williams, the the pothead. Oh, Ricky Williams. Sorry. Ricky Williams. That's almost like, that's like giving up the house just and for like. If you look at like what Quebec slash Colorado got, Peter Forsberg was a far more useful player than Eric Lindros was. Mm-hmm. He had, you might argue that they had roughly the same kind of um, career length. Right. But Forsberg won the cup. Um, Ron Hextall, that was at the end of his career. So I'm pretty sure right. they traded him to the Islanders for a while. Um, Steve Duchesne, at the end of his career, Kerry Huffman at the end of his career. But if you look at the 1996 Stanley Cup, Colorado Avalanche, Peter Forsberg, Mike Ricci, Chris Simon, uh, I'd be willing to bet if we looked up those two first-round draft picks, it might be Chris Drury and Adam Deadmarsh. It really changed Quebec, who then became... The Avalanche. The Avalanche. And it tra- it changed the Flyers. I mean, Lindros was dominant in 96, 97, 98, 99. And then he kind of 
tailed off. Tailed off when his concussions came around. I mean, he was the MVP of the league. So, so I threw something in here, and and I'm not being I, I didn't throw it in here for being the homer of this one, but obviously via arbitration when the Devils traded for Scott Stevens, yeah, you, we you wouldn't you trade would, for him. We didn't it, trade for him. It's considered a trade no, through arbitration. It, it was he was given to us as compensation. Because they, because they pulled Shanahan? Because they had a deal with Shanahan before free agency started, and it was tampering. All right, so so, all right, so the, you don't consider that a trade then? No, no. Okay. I mean, it is true. Stevens definitely led to yes, the, our, our, our cup wins. But on the other side, it wasn't until the rest of the engine in the car, Brodeur, Lemaire, Niedermeyer, mm-hmm. okay. came... That re- that's what changed. Because Stevens was on our team for five years before we... W- before we got to the... Uh, okay. I mean, he was a good player. He put up a lot of points, but it wasn't until Lemaire came and kind of said, you don't need to get the points. Be a defenseman. Play this way. And Lemaire and Larry Robinson... I mean, if you listen to any interview with Stevens where he talks about you know his style... He'll tell you it changed when Lemaire and Robinson came because they they taught him to play efficiently, not as physical as it used to be. Like you could still be physical, but stay in your stay in now. I and like I said, I wasn't trying to be the homer, but I figured that if you don't get Stevens, you don't get those initial cups. Oh no. No, not at all. Because you're... you don't, you definitely don't get the '95 Cup because '95 he shut down him and Claude shut down Boston, and that's when Cam Neely was there. Uh, Who did we play in the second round? Pittsburgh. He shut down Yager and and Lemieux at the time, and then the third round he shut down Lindros and Leclerc and. Mm-hmm. And then in the finals, um, you remember you just remember the Kozlov hit. That that's the hit that that hit and Niedermeyer's goal are the two moments in that series that tipped it into our scale. Okay, and that's really the only reason I threw that in there because I figured that you don't get that one player. Yeah. So all right, it's a good little discussion. Another discussion that we've had for three weeks that we've. Thrown out there. Throw, thrown, thrown out there. And we also put out a, a Twitter poll, so thank you for those who had uh, participated in it. So we finally get to, is Jeremy Roenick a Hall of Famer? Okay. So we put it, we posted it on Facebook. We didn't get too much on it, but we did post it on Twitter, and we got uh, about five votes. <laughs> and it was 60-40. No, he is not. And obviously the uh, those uh, social media polls are essentially anonymous. Um, I will say that I voted no. I vote no because um, he didn't win a cup. Okay. Um, I get that he was, you know, in that that top three or top five uh, American goal scorers. Um, I I get what he did. I just to me, it's always that cup victory that really would push you over. Um, it's close. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say he's an absolute no Hall of Famer, but on that cusp, I would vote more no than yes. And I think you have a different opinion than I do. Uh, 
I really don't have a different opinion. Uh, I mean, he was a high draft pick, eighth overall. He was kind of a small guy for his his career. I mean, he's not exactly a giant. He's probably around yeah, he's just about six foot. Okay. Um, as far as his achievements and awards and stuff, he yeah he had five hundred goals. That's that's huge. Uh, he's the third American player to do so. But if you look at it, like you're right, he's never won the cup. Mm-hmm. He's never won a scoring title. He played nine All Star games. All right, but I mean, John I did, Scott played in the All Star game. Ex- yeah. Um, he's the second all time American point producer in World Juniors, whatever that means. Uh, but if you read his like Wikipedia achievements, he never won a scoring title, never won a Stanley Cup, was never an NHL all you know team, you know first team, second team. He was never one of those at the end of the season. He was just a really good player that Did, couldn't get over that hump. That, that, that right. I mean, he was he was a, he was a, a player to watch. He was a good player, but at the end of the day, he never really did anything. He was just a guy who played a long time. He scored some goals towards the end of his career. It, from two thousand three down to two thousand eight, he kind of really slowed down. Uh, he went from twenty seven goals down to the most he ever had after that was nineteen goals. But. I think his mouth is the reason he will not be in the Hall of Fame. Him screaming at Bettman about wit, you know, about concussions and whatnot. Um, the fact that he's kind of controversial at times okay. on TV. I think I think that they would be scared if he gets into the Hall of Fame. It'll be um, later in life. Okay, maybe when they get him to to calm down. <laughs> when old age just has a little, little less, little but less out there. I, I have no beef with Ronick. I mean, he was always one of your kind of favorite players. He was iconic. He was in Swingers the way they did. It's not so much me as it is Ronick. He's good. <laughs> he, um, he he played in the Olympics, but like he he never won. Like he he has an overall player card that that looks great. Thirteen hundred games. 1,200 points. Almost, what, a point a game, right? A little less yeah. than a point a game. You know, 1,400 penalty minutes, which is pretty cool. You know, 150 playoff games, and he had 122 points. But, again, never won the, the Stanley Cup. Do you put that as the, the holy grail of how you get into the Hall of Fame? You either have to win an MVP, a scoring title, Stanley Cup, you have to have two of those three. That's what I would put down as a player who played in the NHL to win the Stanley Cup. Right. I mean, to get into a Hall of Fame. Cup, you have to MVP, have, and... You have to have two of the three of those. Okay. Like, if you look at Lindros, he was the MVP. He won the scoring title. He got into the Hall of Fame. Pavel Bore, scoring title. Pretty sure he was the MVP of the, in the league, or at least an all, you know, NHL all-star team, kind of, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. 
in the Hall of Fame, but it's just Roenick doesn't have any of that. He was a very high comp. Like, if you were to put like captain or or alternate, he'd be that alternate. He, he's not that captain where that captain would put you into a Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's he's just okay. So we thank everybody for voting. Uh, we thank everybody for viewing and at least uh, commenting on it. Um, so yeah, that's if we do more of that social media stuff, we'll be able to definitely put it out there for uh, folks to vote on and and things of that nature. You can always let us know also uh, players or topics that you want. Um, you know, want to discuss as well. Um, one more uh, hockey point before we get into a large um, segment, a large wrestling segment. So we do apologize now if this goes a little longer than our uh, episode one, but it's good damn topics. Um, you meant you put out the question of which game this season are you more looking forward to? Um, Hall heading back to Edmonton, uh, Hoffman heading back to Ottawa. Trotz returning to Washington as coach of the uh, Islanders. Um, Peters uh, as coach uh, going back to Carolina. Or Domi back to Phoenix and Gajanchuk uh, to uh, Montreal. Um, I, I could I, add another one to that. It'll sure. be whenever Nashville plays Anaheim after the Ryan Johansson, <laughs> uh, Ryan Kessler Twitter battle. That'd be another good one. Um, if you just want to go down the list, Hall back to Edmonton. He did that already, so uh, it's yeah. But now he's the now he's MVP, MVP of the league. I, if if he did, if Hall did it in his first season with the Devils after that trade, I, I'd say yes. I, I I would look forward to that. Um, Hoffman back to Ottawa. It, oh God, only, is that that is going to be a boo fest? And it only matters if Carlson's still in Ottawa. Is still there, yeah. Well, you, you know what? No, because I would think Ottawa fans, some stupid, uh, strange way, are going to be like... 17 of them are going to boo him. Yes, because, oh, you know what? Hoffman, your your significant other was a dick, and that really forced uh, Carlson to want to leave, leave, even though you're not here anymore. Trot's back to Washington. They'll just they'll, they'll give him a standing ovation. Yes. That, it's that's not going to be anything controversial. They're I, not going to boo him. Outside of the fact that he's an opponent's head coach... Yeah, which is a wash, them. but yeah, Peters back to Carolina. Uh, I don't think anybody in Carolina knows who that, Peters was. A game that no one will watch. <laughs> Domi back to Phoenix. I think they'll give Domi a a nice little uh, video tribute more mm-hmm. than Jim the Anvil Nightheart got. Yeah. And Galchiniuk back to to Montreal. They'll just do in a break. You know, during commercial. We break, welcome. Yeah. We welcome back, and they'll show them do the mm-hmm. wave. And, okay. There, there's no real games with storylines. Yeah. Other, like, other than the Hoffman. Uh, Hoff, Hoffman trots, and only if Hall would have won the MVP his first year after he got traded, I would say those would be your top three games to, to really watch. Um, Pete, nobody cares in Carolina, probably. Um, Domi, it's just one of those appreciation for a player that, that gave you his all kind of thing. And I think just for, for Montreal um, – it's just the simple fact that if it's Montreal and they're like diehards for every single player that's ever on their team. You know, if like Carey Price was the crappiest goalie but got like one awesome shutout that's like that's the only thing he's remembered for, he'd get like a 15-minute video tribute, you know. That just, that's just because how, uh, how Montreal is. But um, That's a good list. I think he's going to be part of our topic next week. Uh, who? Price. Price? Overrated players. Oh, there's a little hook neck for next week, folks. You're yeah. going to pay attention to that one. He is overrated. What? But on to wrestling. On to wrestling. And this is, oof. I Okay, 
I was actually excited enough when I was up at like two, three in the morning just because I couldn't sleep, and I I made the 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 last topic that um that we did here with stables. But um, so yes, we did the Jim Anvil Nightheart passing away, and how we're um, pissed off at how Vince decided to not pay any tribute to him because I don't consider that what he did. I just maybe they do something big at WrestleMania. I mean at SummerSlam this weekend. I don't think so. I, I really right? Don't. Isn't Natty supposed to wrestle this weekend? Isn't she like wrestling for the title this weekend? Then you know what? She wins it. Yes. There's no way. There is absolutely no way that you just don't give her a title. Unless, let's put it this way. Unless Sunday SummerSlam is like her father's funeral. Yeah. Or, or, you know what? She's probably like, hey, can we bury that on Monday? Because I got a thing to do on Sunday. I can't do it Monday. Monday's raw. The raw raw after SummerSlam, (laughs) especially in Brooklyn, is always big. Wasn't, Wasn't that the crowd, or was it the WrestleMania crowd, that changed... The um, no, it was Newark. It, it was the Newark show after a pay per view that changed the way fans interacted yeah. with shows because the fans put themselves over the show when they started doing the fandango, which, which they hate. The wrestlers hate. I mean, the wrestling hates it. I I know we're a little off topic, but I remember reading something that Dolph Ziggler said that, that he was it, rattled. Yeah, because the, in the last pay per view, because the crowd was chanting the clock down minute by minute in an Iron Man match, and then they took the clock away because they didn't want it. And it rattled Dolph because you didn't know, like, how much time was left yeah. and why are they doing this? Why are they not paying attention to the the match? Get over it, dude. Oh. You make millions of dollars to fucking roll around the floor with other men. In tights. <laughs> don't, don't forget to say in tights. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, all right. So the first story we have here, which um, I don't know if it's... Um, I don't know anything of importance, but it it kind of stuck out to me that Chris Jericho. There's talk of him being interested in working with Impact Wrestling, and I think this has something to do with the fact that he has his cruise coming up, where he's bringing in tag teams from different organizations to wrestle on this cruise, and it's something that you isn't that here in like New York area. Uh, ROH is having a, a a Madison Square Garden show that is completely. But I know sold that there's out. a cruise. That is going around New York City, um, like Teddy Hart, a couple of the other guys, are like High Flyers, Johnny Morrison. They're all wrestling on the deck of this cruise ship Huh. that's just going to go around New York City during this weekend. I read that. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think. No, it's like the Rock to Jericho cruise. It's all like all Jericho, like freaking related. Of course, because he's got a name on it. But yeah, I mean. I think this is a ploy. For what? For Vince to buy um, another organization? No, I think it's a ploy by Jericho to get a Brock Lesnar contract. Really? He like he doesn't have one now? Or you're talking about more of like Jericho's going to sign, here's your title for like six years and, and you're only going to be working 20 days yep. a year? I think it's, it's the ploy because if he does go to Impact – he'll be their their biggest star and he i mean i don't think he's gonna push the needle to them competing against raw or wwe at all but at least it would be clickbait true or you know for somebody to read on yahoo that he went there or youtube clips of his matches or promos Mm -hmm. or whatever um but i think he's just i think he's using it as a as a ploy 
Okay. So the article that I actually found was from cagesideseats.com, uh, like a wrestling blog here. And it basically says, promoting his uh, rock and wrestling uh, ranger at sea cruise in October, Jericho already worked uh, closely with Impact Wrestling. Even last month on social media, he openly addressed the rumors of him going to Impact Wrestling after his time with New Japan was up. How the hell does this guy wrestle all these all these things and still go on tour with his band Fozzie? <laughs> and Fozzie's like heavy, heavy into the hard rock stuff. Like yeah. with bands and, and opening and, and all that kind of crap. Yeah, but where are they playing? They're not selling out the garden. They're not selling out. Well, because they're being like openers or like the second band to like. Right. like so how hard is that for him? Well, Plus, he's used to being on the road. So it's not like it's a, you know, for him to have a life not on the road would probably be strange. Mm-hmm. It would probably be exhausting for him. So but he's a good wrestler, but he's he wants one of those. You really think it's like a Lesnar contract? He wants a Lesnar contract. He wants one of those where I have X amount of dates a year. Give me a title run. A real title run. Okay. And let me disappear for a month and then come back. But I don't think that WWE is going to go for that. Because I think the Brock Lesnar thing, while it was cool at first, it's annoying when you watch Raw that you'll never see the universal title. Yeah. I, I like the fact what they do with the intercontinental uh, title where it's like, it's an open challenge. It's, 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 you on have every to do week. it. Yeah. That and the U S title too should have been, but yeah, that heavyweight thing, even if it's like a vignette or something, like this is your champion. It's not a, instead of having Roman Reigns go, Oh, Brock Lesnar, the part timer, like you, you keep, you keep throwing it in his face. I, I just don't see that as a positive. From a writing standpoint, I just I think don't. they're no, they're just writing off Lesnar. That's all they're doing. And I and I hope that he agreed to that. And not I'm sure just, he is. He's going to go fight in UFC, in UFC, and then for come another back. year or two, and then he'll he'll show up the Raw after WrestleMania. When's the next WrestleMania in New Jersey? Around a year or two, whatever. Yeah, he'll show up that Raw and challenge whoever the heavyweight heavyweight title holder. It's mm, true. All right, so the other story that we had uh, before we get into the uh, stable talk uh, ends up being CM Punk is now being sued by his best friend and indie- independent wrestler Colt Cabana. Yep. With a name like Colt Cabana, I mean, not the name, but like the, the, the personality that Colt Cabana is, how come he hasn't signed with like a TNA or, or, or WWE? He, or, he's an older guy, isn't he? Uh, he may be. May, and may, well, I mean, the, the WWE signs guys in their like late thirties and forties to be their their top guy. So you know, what's the big deal? Uh, yeah. If you don't know the story, CM Punk was on Colt Cabana's. Is it a podcast or yes. a radio show? Yeah, podcast. And was shit talking the doctor of the WWE, talking about how he misdiagnoses people and uh, how he misdiagnosed what was essentially he thought like an infection on his back a staph infection and it became like a staph infection and the doctor and the wwe sued cm punk and cole cabana and cole cabana and and punk won the lawsuit and punk actually said that he would pay the cole cabana's legal fill which was over 500 grand in legal fees insane I know, the, I know the pain. Um, and now CM Punk is kind of like, no, you pay half, I'll pay half. And Cole Cabana's like, yeah, no, yeah, you no. said. Yeah. So. 
CM Punk burning bridges everywhere he goes, <laughs> whether it's in the ring, whether it's on a podcast. But that's, is that it? now? Now you have to think like, is that his character, or is that who Phil really is? <laughs> Phil. <laughs> I love these stories that come out. They're like, CM Punk, real name Phil. I'm like, wow, really? Which also ties into hockey because he's a big hockey guy. He's a big uh, Red Wings fan, right? No, Chicago. Chicago. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, Blackhawks. So, but he's uh, probably got the money. I mean, again, think about it. If Punk came and did that Ring of Honor show or he did, I mean, I don't think he'll ever come back to, to WWE ever. And I know people say, oh, never say never. No, he's... I actually watched a video before before we did this, and like the top ten stars that'll never return to WWE, yeah, and and the author was like number one or number two just simply because he shit talked them so much and went after the doctors and sued them. There's like no way that yeah, but that doesn't mean anything either because if you think about it, like Bret Hart shit talked them and sued them for Owen. But look how long it took for him to get back. Right, but Punk doesn't have time on his side. Well, I mean, hell, if. <laughs> I I don't know why. Like, Call to Personality is like my favorite song now, and I don't know why. <laughs> but he uh, he won't come back, and they'll settle this. It's not like Punk doesn't have the money to do it. He should come back one one freaking run, man. Come on, that's all you that's all you need left is one run, one big run. You'll make both will make so much freaking money. Yeah, but he just strikes me as the guy that it's there's there's more important things. To him, than money. Okay. What's most important in this show <laughs> is you sharing and and letting your friends know and listening and liking and oh, wow. following and subscribing and unsubscribing and then subscribing again and then unsubscribing and subscribing again. Apparently, we have a social media and marketing director now. <laughs> yep. All right. Biggest topic on this show, which may take up a little bit of time as well, so I hope you really do enjoy it. Um, since you and I are of, oh, uh, less before we get into that, Renee Young being a color commentator for all of Raw on Monday. Didn't even notice. She was quiet. Didn't even notice. It, it was, who did she, uh, Jonathan Coachman. Yeah, he was on assignment. What the fuck does that mean? He probably, he probably had to do something for ESPN. And they don't want to say it's ESPN, although everybody knows that freaking ESPN posts articles on social media about wrestling stuff. But not hockey. <laughs> Except for Butcher Gross. Bucci. I am wearing a college hockey hat, uh, Mr. Butcher Gross, so. If you listen. I hope he does. I hope he does. All right. So, um, yeah, so Renee Young, not, um, not really making that impact that I think that they wanted it to. They kind of blew their load with the evolution thing, and after that it's just been like. Isn't that ironic that she did the color commentating on Raw oh, and <laughs> at the same time that Dean Ambrose comes back. Oh, but I, I forget. Who's Dean Ambrose to her? Oh, yeah, her husband. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? All right, stables. A, a theme in wrestling that essentially non-existent anymore. And I think it's because of freaking managers went out the door. That's what I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, so... Greatest or best stables of all time. We have a top 10 list of um, stables. So what is a stable for people who don't know? Um, group of wrestlers, manager that band together. Think, and I'm just throwing them out there. Think of like ANWO, a DX, a Horseman, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so something that's not, you know, 
in wrestling anymore. I mean, we both kind of did a list, and they're kind of similar um, in a way, just a different different um, uh, order here. So if you want to go uh, 10 to 1. My number 10 is The Shield. They were good. They were dominant. They were booked right, like just coming in, destroying faces, heels. They did what they had to do, and it ended the right way. Like they didn't drag it on. They didn't add new members. They didn't. They ended it with the right guy doing the heel turn and turning on them. And they all kind of went in their own separate way to become main eventers. True. Okay. I mean, Dean Ambrose is kind of, I don't like what they're doing with him, like making him, trying to make him like Austin. I I read something funny that he's starting to turn into Triple H (laughs) with with his haircut. So who do you have for your number 10? I have Evolution as number 10, just simply because it's a reverse of who my number one is, but it's like, it's like, it's the four horsemen, a, a shitty watered down, useless version of the four horsemen you have rick flair uh, okay then you have triple h okay he was already in power and then you have bautista and randy orton for what i never liked bautista as a wrestler no neither did i and the fact that they want to keep bringing him back or people want it i don't well he's, he's a movie star now he's so, useless yeah but he's a movie star that's why they want him back he, do, he doesn't to me it's like he doesn't know how to wrestle no and i don't like the fact that he wrestled in sneakers <laughs> of all the things to be to be mad at him about. <laughs> yeah. He was weird. Okay, so uh, who is your number nine? I have the Bullet Club. Okay. Number nine. They would probably have been higher on my list had they had the uh, widespread exposure In... of, the, of the WWE. And if you think about it, of all the members, okay, your 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 top guy uh, being Finn Balor, um, your middle guys being um, uh, Gallows. Gallows and Anderson. You had AJ Styles in there, um, and they constantly keep changing. So when Finn left, AJ came in and became the head of it. And when AJ, AJ left, left, Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes in. comes in and becomes the head of it. Where it's it keeps it fresh yes it's not like the nwo when they're bringing in like horace hogan just for the sake of bringing somebody in or where it you're bringing in top talent to replace top talent okay and i think that they should do it in the wwe but they won't i mean if you think of all the names right like we just mentioned but then you have other ones like the young bucks a guy like adam cole a guy like kenny omaga omega yeah. If, if if you if you if we put on our writer hats, okay, and we talk to Triple H and we talk to Vince McMahon and go, listen, I'm sorry, Paul, because I don't want to use this character, mm. Paul and Vince, bring in all these guys. Like I said the other uh, last week, you bring in all these guys, and you let them. And I know it's a retrend of of some of the other groups, but you let them come in and you you bring in the fact of. You take your ROH watchers, you take your TNA, you take your New Japan viewers, and you shove this in their face, and you get the viewership, you get the money, you get the revenue. It's it's great idea at first, but there isn't enough time on the show to make them get what they deserve. 
You know, like even if you were to split them up and have half of the Bullet Club on Raw and half of them on SmackDown and you have them feud with the New Day and all this other stuff, the problem with it is what happens next? And, and I think the 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 storyline follows the they break up and they fight each other. And then they fight each other. And now you've got a guy who was main eventing Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. Impact, New Japan, who is now mid-card, mid-card 830 match on Raw. Watering down. Yeah. So you, sometimes it's, you want to have the best, but if you have the best, where are you going to fit them? Okay. All right. Um, at nine, I had um, the Shield. I, I, I had them lower on on this list, um, just simply because of you know, the same points that you had put in there. That, that it was it was a good group. It was a small. It was quick. Um, and okay, you know, it's it 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 was what it was. And and I'm kind of glad that they just took all three members, Reigns and Ambrose and should I forget the other guy's name? Rollins. Rollins and made them as popular independently as they were as a group. Yeah, I just don't like the fact that they keep bringing it up. Like, oh, they're gonna they're the members of the S.H.I.E.L.D. He's backing up his S.H.I.E.L.D. brother. Like, all right. I mean, I get that every once in a while. But don't, don't bring it back. Like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. should not get back together for, like, three years. Okay, yeah. It, it's, it's over and done with. It's they, over and done. They introduced them, they broke them up, and now let, let them go. All right, so who did you have in number eight? I had the old school corporation. During the Attitude Era where Austin was the big guy and the star. And then you had a heel crew of people. That were... Briscoe that, and... That, uh, that did ownership's bidding. Right. That did ownership's building. Shane McMahon. Um, you know, you had the big boss man. And, and then you had the Ministry of Darkness. and Where you had a power heel group feuding with individuals like Austin, but also feuding with DX and the Nation of Domination. And it wasn't super overbearing like the NWO, if you watched WCW back in the day, where the NWO came in and ran in and did a run-in in every fucking match. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just overbearing too much. Mm-hmm. considering Vince was involved. Like Vince, you would think at that time, wanted to be involved. Right. But he kind of... All right, I'm feuding with Austin. I'm only going to get involved in that feud, and that's it. And then when and, they and became it, the corporate ministry, that's when it. Well, do you think that the best Rock character was when he was a heel in this? I mean, I hate I hated the Rocky Maivia thing, and to a point, I kind of hate the whole like tattooed shoulder, bald headed Rock, like the both the ends Hollywood of his. Yeah, I, I hate both of those characters. I, I understand Rocky Maivia came in as, you know, Rocky Johnson's father. I get it. I hated that character. It was just so stupid. It was like one, two, three kid-ish. He was, he was good as a heel. When he would do the finally and the crowd would start doing it, don't do that. Right. Don't, when he would make fun of people, like, I don't care if they're living down in a, in a refrigerator box. You know, like mm-hmm. when he would make fun of people, but he the we talked cr- last week. He won't do that. Like that's yeah, now. Gonna, now that's he's, not going to happen. He's the good guy. Rock for the remainder of any type of yeah. Just like Cena. He's he's a good guy. Can you imagine if Cena went heel? Could you just? It'll be like Hogan two. It would be awesome. 
but it's not going to happen. He teased it when you were fighting The Undertaker, and you didn't buy into it. You looked at it, he goes, <sighs> This would be the perfect opportunity to turn him heel. With, with the whole Nikki Bella breakup thing, like this mm-hmm. would be the perfect opportunity to turn him heel, have him feud with Daniel Bryan. But no, you have you have the Miz and Bryan, which is not that bad. Not bad. They're they're just setting that up in case Daniel Bryan gets hurt, doesn't resign because like his contract's up in like September. Mm-hmm. So if he decides not to resign, you you put the Miz over, mm-hmm. and but now the Miz gets that main event push. push. But still, it's a good from a pure athletic match oh, yeah. standpoint. Yes, I'd like to see Daniel Bryan and Nakamura wrestle. I think those two would be a great. It would, chess match. If you, if you think about it, all those all those superstars like from the Bullet Club, from New Japan, all that kind of stuff. You all those stars that you turn into mid carders here, but then you put them together, and it's like, damn, it's magic. And yeah. it's and it was magic when they were all on the independent scene too. But I, I think. The, the key to having a good stable is you need the superstar. Mm-hmm. And if you brought the Bullet Club that's not in the WWE, mm-hmm. in nobody, there's no superstar. Okay. At eight, I had the brood, and you actually influenced it more than I probably would have given it credit for. I didn't even have the brood on my list. And I put them on there because of, I don't know why, like I liked the gangrel aspect of it. I liked the Edge and Christian aspect of it. Like, it was just... And it's not the whole stupid vampire thing, but the concept, the theme music, the theme way... music and their entrance was the best thing about the brood. It just... It was... Okay, you know, Gangrel got his big push, and then whatever. But... It, he it, got it, his big push to get Edge and Christian over. It brought us Edge and Christian. That, that's the, that, but that that's, doesn't make a good stable. Like, in my mind, they they never main evented as a stable. Okay, I, no, I, I see where you where, where you put that. Right. Like nobody was going like, oh man, I hope the brood comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Except maybe you and me yelling, yeah. yelling from the basement, watching TV. Uh, who'd you have at seven? Right, That's I had more? the fabulous Freebirds at see, seven. See, it's weird when you you bring in the Freebirds. And I I wouldn't put them on the list because I think my concept of being a stable, and I know it kind of goes against what the shield was, but th- it's three guys. Right, but and, they brought the Freebird rule, which is what all stables did, where if they won the tag team match, any two of the three could be the tag team champion. New Day-ish. Yeah. Okay. Where they could wrestle. And- now, and, and it's not, and I'm not shitting on the Freebirds, it's the fact that they, they, they feuded with the, with the Von Erics, right? Yep. So, I, and I think that would probably influence me a little bit more uh, on the list if I really sat down and thought about it. Um, because you put, you put the confidence in a group of guys to fight a name. Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to carry that. And, I mean, yeah, we're going old school. We're going even before WWF. Yeah, when we're going. W- we're going. WWF. So yeah, I mean that that that's a good pick for the Freebirds. Uh, my seven was actually the corporation. I think just because of 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 the the punch that it brought, it yeah. brought Rock to the forefront. It brought that whole, um, you know, people. It, it kind of brought that storyline of if you're just a regular Joe at work and you, you just hate upper management, 
and you want to just so you wanted to fight upper management, you wanted to you know berate them fight or whatnot. The man. Yeah, and it just kind of brought that to the forefront, and they they did it that way. So that's that's where where I go. So six for you is evolution. All right, and I had that really low on the list, but uh, your I, reasoning at the time, everybody was at the top of their game, even Flair, like not. Flair in the top of his wrestling game. His but character. His character mm-hmm. with the suit. Like, he kind of brought, like you said, the four horsemen into a new way. It gave Batista, the young, well, he wasn't really young, but Batista and Orton, that that kind of push right. by associating them with Flair. essentially Flair, the greatest mm-hmm. champion, and Triple H, the great current star Mm -hmm. because at that time you have to think about it there was no rock there was no austin it was evolution really it was that yeah that was that was that early sure that the rock was definitely gone because and if Mm -hmm. the rock came back it was one of those like he was here for three months three minutes and then he left yeah okay all right and it had the best ending the way they they got rid of Randy Orton so he can go on his own, where they were celebrating his win, and then they did the thumbs down, and all of them just did their finishers on him to to, to okay. put to make him the face. Um, so let's see which number was that again? Six. six. My six was actually DX. Wow. Yeah, I put them low, and I put them low because it it was the. Oh, you have the NWO? Well, let's do our version of the NWO. It was... Look, I, I, and from a stable aspect of it, you look at it, you have somebody who was the, the, the heavyweight in Triple H. Mm-hmm. You have somebody that was like the, the next, next one down, whether it's you want to call it the uh, U.S. champ or intercontinental title, whichever one you want to rank is number two in HBK. And then you had your tag team to rule that. My my whole idea about having stables is enough that they would all own your organization's titles from top to bottom. Yeah, but did they ever? Did they all have the titles from top to bottom? I don't I mean, think so because like Triple at H at the same time. No, but like Triple H and like HBK were like tossing around. And they they were like interchangeable with regards to like a heavyweight title. They never went like lower. China had the women's title and Xbox yeah. had the uh, light heavyweight Whatever, or yeah. cruiserweight title. So I mean, oh yeah, next pop. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You forget things after a while. But, yeah, I, I had them uh, down in. But the, what I like, and I'll talk about it because, obviously, DX is on my list. Mm-hmm. They didn't add people for the sake of getting somebody over. It yes. was those, you know, six people. And, yeah, they may always. have. They, it was only those six mm-hmm. people. And then they would sometimes, all right, you know, like China would be on her own or, or X-Pac would be on his own. But it was only those. They didn't keep adding mm-hmm. just to get people over. That's one thing WWE did right. Yes, and I agree, I agree WCW with WCW didn't. Right. And and I have a, a, a caveat to that for, for upper on my list. But um, so let's see. So that was six. When did you have it? Five. I had the Heenan family from the 80s. <sighs> that... If if I had to sit down and really 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 it, all right, if I had the, I, I had them at number three, let's put it that way. Um, if it wasn't for another two groups that we'll talk about in in a little bit, I would have put them first. Wow, I would have put them first. You guys like you had the perfect manager. 
all-time best. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about Mr. Fuji. I don't care about Albano. I don't care about Slick. I'm sorry. Slick. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't care about Sonny. I mean, I do care about Sonny, but it's for non-wrestling reasons. Go to Pornhub. <laughs> Plug. Waka waka. Yeah, she was getting plugged. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, Heenan family. You have, who is it? Hakeem. You had Big John Stud. You had Andre the Giant. You had DiBiase. You had Adonis, the missing link. The thing that I always thought that was cool about them is that, like, they, that Bobby the Brain would trade them or buy, like, new members to bring people in. And it's, it's what made it unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Where, Especially back then, too. Yeah. For unpredictable for the 80s where you knew Hogan was going to win and you knew like to have somebody new come in especially the Heenan and Andre the Giant oh yeah you know where Andre and uh, Hogan were like friends and they had the what was it was it uh, the barbershop where Andre like grabs Hogan and like breaks his chain and yes like, yeah. to... that that's when the when the friend quote, air quote friendship broke right and it's like what are you doing with this guy brother you know, and yeah. it, it it worked yeah. storyline wise. It worked, and it would probably work today in some way, shape, or form. And it, but there's if, no managers if they did it right, other yeah. than Paul Heyman. Oh, um, you know what? I have to admit, Paul Heyman. Today's Paul. Heyman? No, you know what? Screw that. Even Paul E. Dangerously character. Oh, that, I, that, I, I I thought about putting them on the list. The Paul E. Dangerous, the dangerous, dangerous uh, alliance, alliance. But no, that was too short lived. I heard they had Rude, they had Austin for a little while in WCW. You had the alliance too when they brought all the WCW guys over. Yeah. Um, Who'd you have at five? I had Nexus. Yeah, I skipped the the, the NXT group uh, that came up, and I thought it was a refreshed version of like the NWO that Takeover group. Um, I thought it was well done. I think they could have done more with um, but, see, the, I, the I, lawyer I, dude. I saw that as a group where it's, all right, we have all these young guys. Let's just get them over. And to, to push them because they've done enough in NXT. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea. I, 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 when Nexus came out and then when The Shield came out later, I go, oh, The Shield is like Nexus 2. That's kind of what I... You know what group we don't have on this list? Um, when uh, Malenko... When Guerrero, Jericho, and um, ben, Benoit and Saturn no, all came Jericho, over. It was Sa- it was Paris Saturn. Saturn. Yeah. Oh, Jer- was, Jericho came in first, and then these right. guys kind of like it was rode it was his coattails in. Benoit, Saturn, ben, uh, Guerrero, and Dean Malenko. And Malenko, the man of a thousand moves. Whatever that group was, I don't remember their name. I don't think they had a name. Let me yeah. look it up real quick. Um, but I remember when they when. Vince bought WCW, and then Shane did the whole alliance thing. They could have did so much with that. They could. But they had too many people and didn't know how to manage it all with the alliance. Then the first match of a WCW superstar on Raw. The Radicals, that was their name. The Radicals, With a Z. um, Was Buff Bagwell. And it was just a, such a shit show. I'm pretty sure Buff Bagwell was fired the next day. Probably. And you know what he does now? He's like a gigolo. Yeah, he's a male gigolo on Showtime. Um, so, okay, so who'd you have at number four? Oh, who was your number five? Uh, Nexus. Nexus. Yeah. Number four, I had the Hart Foundation. Uh, best technical wrestlers at the mm-hmm. time. Owen Hart was 
a high flyer. You had the tag team of Davy Boy Smith and the Anvil. You had the main eventer with uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart. You throw Brian Pillman in there as your kind of intercontinental guy. Uh huh. Um, I on it. I I and you know what? I'll say it. I have four as a heart foundation. Yep. Perfectly worked up the ladder. You know they had their their guys make it the right way and. You know who you don't have on this list? I just thought about it. Demolition. When they brought in Crush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny shit. I flew on a plane to Florida with Crush in front of me. Really? And his family. Yeah. Wow. Face paint or no face paint? No face paint on the plane. Mullet? He was going to Disney World. Nice. Aw. Crush went to Disney World. Yeah, with this little kid. I, why do I remember their fucking, the kid's name? is beyond me. But It wasn't orange, was it? No. Orange Crush. He had no. a state name. Wow, Phoenix. No, that's a city. Two states, but whatever. <laughs> All right, so we got number four. What do you have at number three? I have DX. Mm, okay. Because at the time, the NWO was basically killing WW Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. He was. They were. They were destroying it, and the WWF's way was to come up with their version their version of it which was uh dx they were sarcastic they were smart they were exactly what the wwf needed to to, pull pull back followers to win the monday night raw like you didn't know like when they drove up to (laughs) the arena like can you let our friends out you know did they really do that even if they didn't the The fact that we have to ask it is it yes it, it, it it's it's weird as this is going to sound it made wrestling feel real it did the, the the whole nwo and dx thing back and forth made it feel real and it's it's a damn shame that when vince bought wcw the nwo was dead because that would have been the time to have the nwo your, versus your real wrestlemania main or event your kind of real thing. survivor series yes. build up true for that but, you know, they all became stars in the DX. You know, China became the first woman to ever have the Intercontinental title. Um, now, you know, as, as much crap as China gets, and I'm not talking about her doing porn or her, whatever, she was your first dominant female. Like, no. she, she didn't, it, it wasn't a, she wasn't a bad wrestler. Her gimmick and how she wrestled went together. It wasn't like it wasn't putting like Ronda Rousey in the ring and going, "Okay, here, go fight." No, and the fact that she wrestled men, and you it, know, and, she was in the Royal Rumble. Like, and I'm not how t- many women can you say were in the Royal Rumble? And I can just hear people saying, "Oh no, that, that's like a carny act." No, it, it wasn't. It 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 worked. Maybe it would have been a carny act if you put face paint on her. And what sucked is at that time. I mean, she wasn't the most talented wrestler. She wasn't no. like a leader or a Trish Stratus, but there was nobody for her to wrestle because that's where you had your Terry Runnels and your Sonny and your yes. where you had your valet versus female wrestler. Yeah, where it was like this wouldn't even be a fight in the real world yeah. if if they had to. Yeah. But DX was okay. At at three, I have the Heenan family for for the reasons that I mentioned before. Um, Number two, we both have um, the NWO. The NWO. And, and I want to specify that my version of the NWO, and I think it's pretty much the same as yours, was only Hogan, Hogan Hall, Nash, and Bischoff. Not Rick Rude. 
nor do I want to put in the Mexican version of the NWO. Oh, the LWO. Or the Italian version of it. Or whatever Vince Russo crack-ass... Red, red and black. I didn't even like that. I didn't even want Sting to be a part of that no. crap. It, it was when... The, the, and the fact that WCW won its Monday Night Wars was the fact that they turned Hulk Hogan... To a bad guy. To a heel. He was never a heel. Ever. But it, the, it, I have down the NWO as number two, and it's the rise and fall of WCW. In a nutshell. Starts and ends with... The NWO. The yeah. NWO. Yes. Took them on the rocket to the Monday Night Wars where they were destroying everything, and the same thing that got them to the pinnacle mm-hmm. of the Monday Night Wars is the same thing that destroyed them because once they started adding everybody, and you said like the LWO and then Horace Hogan and... and what was the other one? Norton. What was the guy? Norton. Yeah, not Ed Norton. Scott. Scott Norton. Yeah. Like when you started adding people just to get them over, and then you would turn on on Nitro, and it would just be like, "All right, hey, look, you know, I'm watching a Hoovitude La Parka match. Oh wait, the NWO's got to just come in and grab the mic." And you're like, "Enough, yeah, enough." Like you know, like every match and every segment had to be something about the NWO, and then you add the red and black and the LWO and it, it just was it's too much, way too much. I, and, and that's why I think we both specify it's when you turn Hogan heel, when you had that storyline of Scott Hall, the bad guy coming on and they couldn't say his name because right. the way that they wrote it was he's not with us. Now I think about it now and you bring in reality into this, which you never should do. It's if somebody invaded your organization, would you not turn the cameras off? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you think about this shit. That or the way. fact that, like, when you, you brought up the radicals, when they first, like, they're ringside. They're, God, they're ringside. And then they jump the... the, where, the where's the, security? Where's security? Where was the dude with the leather, <laughs> the, the leather Harley Davidson hat that was bigger than most of the wrestlers that used to sit ringside? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, the Hall storyline. And then they brought in Kevin Nash, who... Re- who didn't reprise his role as Oz. Or Diesel. <laughs> no, just Oz. Big Daddy and, Cool. And the Diamond Stud. That's what Razor Ramon used to be before he was Razor Ramon. The Diamond Stud. Because who was his manager? Diamond Dallas Page. That's how he got into into WCW. I remember watching the Oz and I'm like, oh my God. And then when Diesel came out and then I started doing research, I'm like, wait, that was Oz? What? The fucking weak, weak fucking but characters. But what killed them was the expansion. Every one of those, no, and every one uh, of those characters had creative control. Yes, and that and that's another reason that killed WCW. WCW was creative control, and that that just. Um, so that was number two. Number one, again, we both have the same. Yep. The Four Horsemen. You cannot have a conversation about stables and not mention the Four Horsemen. They are the now, blueprint. But. I, I, I question this because the Four Horsemen had, yes, four characters, but you threw in, you, you had guys like, all right, you had Flair, you had Arn Anderson, you had Ole Anderson, and you had Tully Blanchard. That's it. Not the, the remake where they Right, had and, that's, and that's what, but when you threw in Barry Windham, did that make a difference? I don't see it. Like, you, like when you say the NWO is Hall, Hogan, Nash, Bischoff. Right. To me, the four horsemen are, are just those are four. An, is Anderson, Blanchard, and Flair. 
That's it. It's those four. Not any sort of remake mm-hmm. that they've made constantly over and over. And J.J. Dillon being the the weird manager, like I never, I never thought. Uh, maybe it was the early version of the Horseman that I just never saw. But I don't remember J.J. Dillon as ever being a manager. I always remembered him being the 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 Jack Tunney of WCW. Hmm. There's a name if you if you recall that. Um, since we brought up uh, Tully Blanchard's name, his daughter Tessa, new TNA Knockouts champ. Good for Tessa. Everybody, everybody bitched and moaned because oh, she sucked when she was with the, her developmental deal. Oh yeah, and guess what? Now she's a yeah, champion. Yeah, people get in, better all the time. So can, now, can you imagine? And I know it's a retrend, but if you have uh, Tessa in the WWE, right? You have her. You have uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. You have Becky Lynch. You have Bailey, right? Which, or or whoever else you want to put in in that group, right? The four horsewomen. Okay, and then you have those those um, um, you know like. You you can face them against um, like a new heart foundation. You take you take Natalia and and have her form a, a little group, but don't make it the four horsemen or f- horse women. Like just do something a little bit do different. Do something new. Get creative. Yeah, I can agree with that. But yeah, for four horsemen wise, Flair, Arn, Oli, Blanchard. Yeah, and Dylan as a manager. They were the blueprint for every stable that's ever existed. If, if the you, main eventer, the tag team, the muscle. I, I don't. The fact that the four horsemen were created before you and I were even born, and that's forty plus years. Yep. Okay. To this day, you still have, like you said, a blueprint on how you want a group of wrestlers because they don't use stable anymore. And it made Flair a household name. Like people that didn't even watch wrestling or yep. people that were outside of Memphis or the South. Where it made Flair a household name. No matter where you went you were or what you saw. Yes. It doesn't matter what. What did they call them back then? It wasn't regions. It was. Uh, territories. Territories. No matter what territory you were in. You knew Four Horsemen. And you wish that the four horsemen would come to your, you know, south, southeast, whatever. Or and just think, like, even today in 2018, what was it, last year, the ESPN did the whole Ric Flair, Ric documentary. Flair documentary thing. Like, who, who can they do that with now other than maybe Hogan? I think they should just stop. They did Flair and they did Arn Anderson. Or no, I'm not Arn. Um, Andre the Giant or HBO did that one. They should yeah. just stop with documentaries. That, those are your two for two. I don't want a Hogan one. I don't want a Savage one. I don't want a Vince McMahon. I don't want none of them. You're two for two with Flair and Andre the Giant. I'm good. I think a Macho Man would be a real good one. Really? Yeah. I think a Macho Man would be. Would that, that's be, another thing. With real storylines with him and Miss Elizabeth? That, well, that's, that, a, that's, a, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, that was a tearjerker. Um, one last thing. Um and again, in my nights of sleeplessness, um, I started listening to um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. Why? Not because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. As I'm scrolling through on Podbean, I, he, the way he names his titles are the folks that he interviews. Okay. Um, one of the interviews I thought, uh, what I saw was a guy by the name of Joey Janela. Have you ever heard of that name before? Nope. Nobody has. I remember watching Joey Janela. When I was friends with a few folks down in uh, Middletown, New Jersey, and working with an independent wrestling promotion, the ones that go in, like, you know, St. Catherine's Church and their mm-hmm. gym where there's, like, 50 people, you know, the whole joke about where you started in wrestling. Guys like a Joey Janela, 
um, a guy I remember, uh, Danny DeMonto. Uh, I was friend with a, a tag team called the Two Rude Dudes, who, by the way, I went to one show, and I didn't even know they were winning the tag titles that night. I got myself a picture with them. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So, where is it on the walls here? Uh, we'll get there. Uh, unfortunately, not friends with them anymore, but whatever. But it, it was... It brought out that kid in me when I went to go watch those independent guys because I was friends with some of them. I knew some of them. And this is the one where, like, I remember the one show I went to. It was like they won the title and everything. They brought in Jake Jake the Snake as their big name. I went to, I, I saw. Pre uh, or post DDP yoga? Um, pre. It was bad. He went on the mic and he started preaching, like religiously preaching. And the 50 people that were there at least two-thirds of them walked out when he started that shit. But that's that's for another thing. But to watch guys... The fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin, it just shocked me, went and talked to such a... The way I can describe Joey Janela to you is like um, a white man's version of like Sabu okay. in WCW, where he does the high-risk moves. He does the shock stuff and like he's he's the main eventer with guys like Danny Namonto and like the two dudes like he's like the that guy in these indie feds he's a spot fest guy he is and the reason why Stone Cold wanted him is that something back in uh, 2015 like they were like it, it was almost like how um TNA and the X division had that uh you know they were up mm -hmm. on up on the wire trying to do all that kind of stuff and they did Hurricane Rana off to whatever yep. he did something similar to that and that's how his name got out there and that's how Stone Cold Steve Austin found him watching those clips, shocked the shit out of him and asked him to fly out to uh, the West Coast to, to interview him. So, I mean, it's just a shout-out to some of those guys. I'm sure they're not going to listen to this, but it, it's funny to see Stone Cold Steve Austin talk to guys that I freaking watched like yeah. five years ago. But that's what makes it cool because he can turn around and, and he can interview HBK. All right, well, you're still under contract with WWE, so we know the safe stories you're going to tell. Yes. Where when you bring in somebody like, you know, these independent guys, they'll tell you the the dirt that you want to hear. Like, mm -hmm. even in uh, going back to hockey, like, what makes some of these other podcasts, like Spittin' Chicklets and, and Patrick O'Sullivan's uh, Morning Bagger, is they give you insight to the dirt because... That's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear, yeah. I don't want to hear, like, so what was it like to play with Sidney Crosby? Oh, he was a really great guy. Like, no, I want to hear, like, dude, he's the cheapest motherfucker on the planet. Like, he makes yes. $10 million a year, and, you know, it, he, he puts his per diem money in his, his piggy bank, you it, know? It, it goes to, um, uh, what do you call it? It goes to that reality television kind of thing of what we want um, to have, you know. In, in, in our lives and things like that. So, episode six in the books, folks. It was a long one. It was, but, but it, boom, you and your uh, emoji. <laughs> so, go ahead and visit hsskpod.com. Uh, you can get all the links to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, Spotify. Uh, we're on there. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Podbean, uh, Google Play Music, all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, interact with us. We're at a point now where we're in our in our groove. We got good, some good stories. We want to hear from you to see what you want us to talk about because God knows hockey stories are going to start thinning out before preseason starts. Um, we have three more weeks till training camp. So, so there you go. All right. So um, anything else you have on your list? No, I'm good. 
All right, folks, for Rob and Dave, we are the High Sticks and Super Kicks Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week for Episode 7, Title to be Determined. Toodles.